Dad, preach to me. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again. Amen. This morning, appreciate the presence of the Lord that we feel. And uh, just thankful to be in God's house one more time. Amen. There's, an old, there's a song, I don't know how old it is, but he was, didn't have to let me in. Amen. He didn't have to let me in this place this morning. Amen. But I'm thankful that he did. And I'm thankful most of all that he's here with us. Amen. What an empty place it would be if we came to church and God was not there with us. Amen. What an empty place that would be. Amen. I want to tell you something. I don't come here for any other reason than to be with him. Amen. And to receive from Him, but not just to receive, but to give. Amen. A little praise to Him and give Him a little of what He's worthy of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not just a receiving thing. I've got to give a little bit of myself too. I've got to give thanks. I've got to give worship. I've got to give in praise. I, I've got to give Him something. I tell you what, we always want to receive, but I tell you it's appropriate for us to give as well. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hey Amen. I don't want to be selfish with my praise. Hey Amen. But I want to be free and have liberty and freedom to, to just lift my hands and give Him praise when I feel it's right. I'll tell you what, whether we feel like it or not, we still owe it to Him to give Him praise for what He has done for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, he could have left us in that pit we were in. Amen. And you say, well, I was raised in church. I'm telling you, you were still in a pit. Amen. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were in a pit. But I'm telling you, he didn't have to pull us out, but he did. Amen. Therefore, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to give him glory, give him honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't want to get myself sidetracked this morning, but amen. I just want to give him what he deserves. Praise God. We don't deserve anything, folks, but I'm telling you, he deserves everything that we can give to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We live in a society that, that feels entitlement, but I'm going to tell you, we're not really entitled to anything in the house of God. But it was by His grace, by His favor, and by His mercy that we made our way into His presence and He reached out and He touched us and He changed us. I'll tell you what, we ought to be thankful in this house. Amen. For the touch of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. I do consider it an honor to be here. Amen. We appreciate the opportunity. We love this church. We love Elder Sister Riggin. Amen. And we appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Amen. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number three. Amen. I should have gone back about three or four years and listened to your lesson on this before I preached from it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. One of these days I'm looking forward to getting a book whenever it's produced. Amen. On the book of Matthew. And Mark when he's done with Mark. and Might as well just keep on going. Praise God. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying... 
Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Amen. For a little bit today, and I don't want you to get too caught up in my title, but I want to preach preparing the way of revival. Preparing the way of revival. Can you lift your hands? Ask the Lord to have his way in this service this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, your wonderful Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your touch. We thank you for your presence, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. And you may be seated this morning. In Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which I don't own a copy of, but I have it on my computer, it defines revival as a return, recall, or recovery to life from death or apparent death. It's the return or recall to activity from a state of languor as the revival of, a, of spirits. Recall, return, or recovery from a state of neglect, oblivion, obscurity, or depression. Renewed and more active attention to religion. An awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. Amen. Oftentimes, I feel we have a, a, a I, I hate to say this, but an improper definition of what revival is. Because too often we, we call revival an, an influx of, of souls and an influx of people when really revival starts, amen, right here in the house of God. It starts in the hearts of those that are living for God and serving Him and have a hunger and a desire for Him. It is nothing more than a renewed and more active attention, a desire that comes up inside of us and says, I want to be closer to God than I am right now. I want to have a heightened attention to the things of God and to living for Him. I want to have that fire burning in my heart. I'm going to stoke it up real high and get that fire burning again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. I enjoy and and one of the things I really love in life is to simply sit and relax around a fire. Amen. But I don't like a little fire. Now, I may have told you this story before, but there's some folks here that haven't heard it because there's a lot of folks here I don't know. Praise God. But, but there, there was a time I went camping, and, uh, and it was me and my twin cousins, and, and we went with my grandma and grandpa. And my grandpa brought some firewood. And he laid down some rules on how much firewood we could use because we were there for a week. And he said that we weren't able to get any more firewood and so we had to make it last all week. And so he had only let us put a couple pieces of wood on the fire. And it just wasn't doing it for us. And so we'd sit there around the fire waiting. And as the clock ticked on, there finally came a point when Granddad had had enough for the day and he made his way into the trailer and we sat there with this little fire burning 
until granddad went to bed and the lights turned off and then the wood pile was attacked. Amen. There was one night we had flames so high it was hitting the tree branches and we were a little scared we were going to start a forest fire. But I'm telling you, we wanted a big fire. And I'm telling you, it's amazing to me that you can let that fire go all night long. But the next morning when we got up, there was just a little bit of coals left and a little ember. Amen. We got some fuel and we put it down and began to blow on that cool, on that coals uh, and them embers that were remaining. Uh, and all of a sudden, flame began to come back up uh, and we could put some more wood on there. Uh, and pretty soon we had that fire going again. Uh, you might be down to this an ember, but I'm telling you, if you blow on it this morning, and put a little fuel that fire can be renewed and that fire can be revived in your heart hallelujah hallelujah we need revival we need revival from the pulpit to the pew from one wall to the next we need revival Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. We read here in Matthew 3 that in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. The forerunner, if you would, of Jesus. He came to prepare the way for him. And he came preaching a timeless message. It's a message of repentance. <coughs> oh, hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you something. It might be outdated, and in some places it's uh, pushed aside. But I'm telling you, we'll never make it to heaven without a message of repent ye, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent ye. I'm telling you, it's an absolute in the word of God that we must live a lifestyle of repentance. You can sit there and say, oh, you're old-fashioned. Yes, uh, yes. Amen, I am. I'm seeking the old paths. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thayer's Greek lexicon defines this word repent as to change one's mind or to change one's mind for better. Heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. Amen. It's a changing. It's a turning. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, but it's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. It's a change of the heart. It's a turning away from sin. It's hating the very thing, hating sin, hating the garment spotted by sin. It's a complete change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may see, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Attempting to prepare the way to make the paths straight. Amen. If we go on and read here in verse 5, it says, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. I, oh, John, he, 
he was bold. He was straight. Hey, man, he didn't beat around the bush with flowery words. Hey, man, there he was clothed. I believe it was in skins and eating wild locusts and honey. Hey, he was a rough guy, and he just told it like it was. And these guys came, and he said, Oh, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his head, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He looked at these religious men. He looked at some religious men and he said, Hey, it's time for you to bring forth fruit, me for repentance. It's time for you to make some changes. Bear with me for a few moments while I establish some things. Jesus said in Matthew 23, talking about these same people in verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto white sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. These Pharisees were obsessed with cleanliness. Washing their hands, washing their cups, washing their dishes. And Jesus looked up and said, hey, you got to quit worrying about the outside and you got to worry about the inside of the cup. You got to worry about the condition of the inside of the cup. If the inside's right, the outside will be clean too. But you got to worry about the inside. I want to tell you something. If we truly want revival in our hearts, it starts with cleaning the inside of the cup. It starts with that repentance and getting down to business with God and cleaning out the inside of the cup. The inside of the cup. He said, man, you're like a, you're like a grave. A whited sepulcher. On the outside, it's beautiful. It's pretty, gorgeous. They took care of it, but inside, full of dead men's bones. He said, you Pharisees, you've cleaned up the outside. And you're worried about how clean you are and washing your hands before you eat. Making sure all your cups are clean. He said, but what about the inside of your own vessel? Hallelujah. 
I'll tell you what, folks, I felt this all week to this week. I, I'm telling you, there's, there's something that God is wanting to do in this house today. But I want to tell you, it's up to each and every one of us uh, if God's going to be able to move in our life like we want him to. Because we have to be willing to come and clean the inside of the vessel. We've got to be concerned about the inside of the cup. Uh, and I have to come to him. I have to humble myself. I have to come and repent. In fact, if I understand it correctly, the only part of salvation that we really have full control over is repentance. Because we sure can't baptize ourselves. We have to submit ourselves to the man of God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that if we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that he would fill us with his spirit. Uh, he would come fill us with the Holy Ghost, uh, with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. Uh, I want to tell you something. The only thing we can do is start cleaning the inside of the cup. Uh, the only thing we can do uh, is find a place of repentance uh, where we can repent. Uh, and I'm telling you, he will forgive. Amen. John was there preaching. And I want to tell you something. These people were coming. And they were flocking. They were being baptized, confessing their sin. Amen. The man after God's own heart, when he was confronted with his sin, in Psalm 51 and verse 1, he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I'm talking about cleaning the inside of the cup. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. I acknowledge my transgressions. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions. Something that a lot of folks are not willing to do is to acknowledge their transgressions. I don't believe Saul ever did, really. He wouldn't go ask repentance. He wouldn't ask. He wouldn't find it. Esau, he, he couldn't find it, though he sought it carefully with tears. Couldn't find a place of repentance. He sought it carefully with tears. There was remorse inside of him. But I want to tell you something. He never found that place. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And thou, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Thou desires truth in the inward parts. The inside of the vessel. The inside of the cup. He desires truth on the inside. I tell you, I understand this is a little bit uh, uh, a tougher one to take today, but, but, but I'm going to tell you something. that You're the only one that really knows what's on the inside. You and God. God knows what's in there and you know what's in there. But those around you may not know what's on the inside. But God desires truth in the inward parts. God desires truth on the inside. And in the hidden part, 
Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness at the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, renew, revive, renew a right spirit within me. He was right at one time, but he wasn't right here. So he said, hey, God, renew a right spirit within me. On the inside, I want to clean the inside. I want that revival. I want that renewal. But it's got to happen on the inside. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore the joy. The joy's been missing in David's life for quite some time. He committed adultery. Tried to cover it up. Didn't work. So he had this woman's husband killed in battle. But I mean, the prophet told David, you killed him. So David murdered her husband and then took her into her, his house and became his wife. And the child was born and alive when the prophet came in and spoke to him. So the joy's been gone for a while. He said, restore the joy of thy salvation. I'm telling you something. If you're in this place today and you really are lacking in joy, I'm telling you, you can walk out this house today with joy restored in your heart. If you've never had it before, I'm going to tell you something. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's something about when we repented and we've gone down in that watery grave of baptism and he fills us with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It's joy that this world can't understand. It's joy the world can't give you. The world can't take it away. When God puts it in your heart, as long as you keep the inside of the cup clean, I'm telling you, you can walk in joy every day of your life. In the face of heartache, in the face of trial, the joy of the Lord is still your strength. Now, if you just pray today, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Sing about the blood today, and it works pretty good with what I'm preaching right now. Because it's still the blood that washes them sins away. 
It's still the blood, and the blood has never lost its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It goes to the lowest valley. Wherever we are at, we can find the blood. We can find the blood if we're willing to reach out. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. The easiest person to deceive oftentimes is yourself. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. If we confess our sin, he'll come and he'll get that blood and he'll scrub our life with the blood. That old dark stained heart. Amen. He'll put it off. He'll come and he'll cleanse and he'll create a clean heart in you and renew that right spirit when the blood is applied. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But I want to tell you something this morning. I don't care from what walk of life you are if you confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, if we confess our sin, if we come and find that place of repentance, if we come and find that place where we can reach out, I'm telling you, he's faithful and just. It's a promise that if we'll confess, if we'll repent, he will forgive Psalm 32 and verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old. Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. I acknowledged my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin when i opened my mouth and confessed you came down and forgave me hallelujah blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven 
he would go on to say what happened when he kept silence. He, he started off and said, oh, blessed is that man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How is it covered? It's covered by the blood. He said, when I acknowledge my sin unto thee, hallelujah. Psalm 138, verse 1, he said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, in the day when I cried, I know I preached about this Tuesday. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me. And strengthenest me with strength in my soul. In the day that I cried. In the day that I came and I poured out my heart. And poured out my soul. Amen. You heard me. And you sent an answer. He went on and said, all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. I got excited when I was reading this. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. I might be walking in trouble. I might be walking in all kinds of problems. But thou wilt revive me. It might be a problem my own making. It might just be life. But when I'm walking in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord, I like this one too. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. The Lord will perfect it. Can I tell you this morning that we, we, we don't have the ability in our human strength to make ourselves perfect. We don't have the ability to live without sin in our life. We don't have the ability to walk the way that we should by our own power. But I want to tell you something. When we come and confess our sin, and He's faithful and just to forgive us, when He fills us with His Spirit, I want to tell you something. He puts power in us, and He will put His hand in our life and begin to perfect and make us what He wants us to be in that midst of reviving us. I'm telling you that part of revival is the hand of God working in your heart and working in your life to make you what he wants you to be. It's when we relinquish control and we give up our will, saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
true revival is a breaking of our own will saying God it's not about me it's about you it's not about what I want it's about what you want and I'm going to lay down my life hallelujah the Lord will perfect it the Lord will perfect you the Lord will do it. You can be seated this morning. The Lord will perform it. The Lord will do it. I'm telling you, none of us are perfect yet. I want to tell you, we're striving for it. Amen. We're giving God control that God can show us the things that we need to work on, we need to change. Amen. When we're desiring truth, I'm telling you, what? Well, there's something about that willingness to put truth in the inward parts. When we allow truth to come in and when it begins to reveal things, we come back to the altar and we open up our mouth and we cry out again and he answers us again and we cry out again and he answers again. He's perfecting. He's moving. I'm telling you, it's the beginning. It's the preparation for revival. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 6. Solomon's praying. In verse 24 he says, And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return and confess thy name, and pray and make supplication before thee in this house. He's praying at the dedication, if you would, of the house of God that he had built, the temple. Then hear thou from heaven, from the heavens, and forgive the sin of thy people Israel, and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name, and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon the land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. If there be a dearth, be dearth in the land and if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatever sore or whatever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways, whose heart thou knowest. <laughs> whose heart thou knowest. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows the condition of your heart in this place this morning. He knows where you are. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your heart. That they may fear thee to walk in thy way so long as they live in the land without thou gave us unto, their, unto our fathers. The next chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 12, says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night 
and said unto him, I have heard thy prayers and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. He said, if I do this, these things, if my people, which are called by my name, number one, shall humble themselves, shall humble themselves, shall humble themselves. I'm telling you this morning, this is not the place for pride and arrogancy. This is a place to have a humble spirit. Arrogance is something that makes me mad. Because I'm telling you, we're nothing without him. We have nothing without him. We are nothing without him. Everything I have, he gave me. And if he chooses, he can take it away. I've got nothing to be proud about or arrogant. But I've got to come in humbleness of spirit. I've seen more than one person that came to the house of God with a dire need. But because of a refusal to humble themselves, they left still bearing the need. I've seen folks seeking God and seeking the Holy Ghost by restricting themselves and locking themselves up because they're too concerned about the way they look or what the people are thinking. I'm telling you, when it comes to seeking God, we got to put that out of our mind and come with humbleness of spirit if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves the very very blunt truth is is that we can humble ourselves here or he'll humble us on a day of judgment because every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. So he can humble you there or you can humble yourself here. Shall humble themselves and pray. Number one, you got to humble. Number two, you have to pray. You have to pray. You got to come seek God. Pray. Seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Turn, humble, pray, seek, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, and only then, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Humble, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways.
preached about this one story many times, but I feel to do it again this morning. There was a woman, some men brought to Jesus one day, caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought her to him, trying to tempt him, trying to, I guess, trip him up a little bit. They caught her in the act, folks. She, by law, they said, hey, by Moses' law, we're going to take her outside the gate of the city. We're going to stone her to death. But what say ye? I believe Jesus began to ride in the dirt, and he said, he was that without sin first cast a stone at her. He that is without sin first cast a stone at her. And he was out there riding in the dirt, playing in the dirt. I don't know what he was doing. Often wondered and loved to know what he was writing, but he was writing in the dirt. The Bible said from the eldest even to the youngest, they turned and walked away. When these people begin to do what every one of us in this place needs to do this morning and begin to look down on the inside and realize their own sin that they had in their life, they turn and conviction hit them and they turn and they dropped their stones and they walked away and there was finally when he looked up and lifted up himself all that was standing there was this woman and he said hey woman where are, where are thine accusers where where'd they go she said they left and jesus looked at her in mercy and said neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more he did not have mercy on her that day for her to turn around and go right back where she was that morning. He said, it's time for you to repent and turn from your wicked ways. It's time for you to be, make that turnaround in your life, that change of direction, that change of heart, that change of spirit. I'm telling you in this house this morning that that same mercy that Jesus showed that day is here in this house this morning. It's here in this place right now. It's available to anybody. Anybody that's willing to reach out. Anybody that's willing to call out and cry out. I'll tell you, God is in this place to do a work. God is in this place to forgive. He's in this place to restore. His eyes are open. His ear is a tent. If you'd stand with me this morning, I'm going to tell you something. God is reaching for someone in this place this morning. I don't know if it's someone that's been here for years or you just started out coming. I don't know who it is, but I'm telling you, God is wanting to forgive you. God is wanting to clean your heart. God is wanting to help you and restore joy and to bring salvation. But we've got to open our mouth. We have got to come. We've got to humble ourselves. We have to pray we have to seek and i have to turn With every head bowed 
every eye closed in this house this morning. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you this morning, please, please don't pass this message off as being to somebody else. I want to tell you it would be appropriate, I believe, in this place this morning for every one of us to find that place where we can cry out to Him. For every one of us to find a place where we can pray.